Let all God's people say amen. Amen. What a mighty God we serve to know that he is our deliverer. We are going to ask for our, all of our educators, if you'll remain standing, and everyone else that um, possibly is not tied to the school system, if you can join me as we are in awe of these superheroes that are standing. Uh, we want to thank each of you all as educators uh, serving in some capacity. We, we're so thankful that we know that amongst us are not only superheroes, but some of God's children. And we're praying with you even now. Uh, we support you in your endeavors. Uh, we also recognize that we're facing some challenging times, but we serve an awesome God. And that's where the church says, amen. We serve an awesome God. Amen. So as you remain standing, again, people sitting beside you or behind you, they are in support of you. They are not going to critique you and criticize you. They're going to pray with you and not pray on you. And so our hope is that you'll know you're not going in this journey alone, uh, that you'll know that you have a church family, not just here, but you have the body of Christ that's joined with you in prayer. So I'm going to ask for everyone, if you will, right where you are, if you'll bow your heads. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today with our heads bowed. Out of reverence for you, we stop and we say, Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. We thank you for your spirit that even now comforts us as we lived in, live in times that are so so full of questions, but yet our resolve is that we know that you are still the answer for the world today. We want to say thank you for these that are standing, our educators, who are standing amidst times that are not ordinary. But the good news is we serve an extraordinary God, one that is able to sit high but yet look low, one that is able to protect us from dangers that are both seen and unseen. And for that reason, we look to you and say, Lord, have your way. Give them the wisdom and the courage to stand, even when they may have more questions than answers. Give them the courage. Courage to stand in times where they have to stay focused at the task of teaching, of training, of equipping our next generation. Protect them and they're going out and they're coming in so much so that when they go to work, they can go with a sense of peace that passes all understanding. When they leave the school grounds, our prayer is that you would allow them to be free from the stresses so that they can go back home to their families as living witnesses that you are still God and you are in complete control. I want to say thank you for this body that's joined right now that is committing to supporting every teacher, every administrator, every district official in their decisions 
not to stand to the side to criticize, but rather to rally around one another, relying on you to give direction. I want to say thank you for our school districts, for the boards that have made critical decisions these last several months. We know that some may have been questioned, but yet our faith is that you would allow us as the body of Christ to speak calm and to speak peace one to another. As we prepare these next couple of days, we also pray for our families, for our children, the anxieties that they may face, we know again that you are God. Allow every parent, allow every student to put their trust in you. And in all of our ways, acknowledge you knowing that you will direct our paths. We say thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your anointing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. If you believe God, go ahead and put your hands together as we thank him for everyone of our leaders that just stood. I, I want to uh, also acknowledge many of you all these last couple of weeks and, and months, uh, you didn't know you signed up to be a teacher when you had kids, possibly. You may not have even gone to school for it, but we want to thank you uh, for seeing the true need for parents, uh, for grandparents to continue to support and to train your kids. And uh, again, we know that the value of the classroom teacher went up tremendously uh, over the last couple of, of months. But again, we want to thank each of you as parents uh, that has been able to rise to the task because your child uh, is special to you, just as he is to every one of these educators. So again, thank you all uh, for your prayers and your, your support. Uh, we, we bring you greetings from the Cross uh, Baptist Church. For those of you all that uh, may have come on uh, the bandwagon of South Springs, I cannot sing praises enough to let you know that you are a part of one tremendously great church body here at South Springs. Uh, we were blessed uh, to be a part of this church family uh, to a large degree for about two, maybe two and a half years. We were able to hold our services in the same sanctuary. Uh, while we began at 12, uh, I found my way into several of the small groups that were here and we would meet in the back uh, of this sanctuary, and that was before a lot of the, the building projects have occurred. Uh, but I just want you to know again that we thank you. We hold this church family to the highest regard. Uh, we are a small body of believers, uh, but we're just some of God's children just trying to do his work while we're on our way home. And so we, we thank you uh, in the absence of Pastor and Sister Leg. Uh, we had it arranged for me to come next Sunday, uh, yet God in his infinite wisdom uh, desired for this Sunday to be uh, the time that we come to share. And so our prayers and our thoughts are going out to Pastor and Sister Leg, as well as to the staff here. Uh, we want you to know again that we're praying with you. And uh, Brother John is right. Uh, when they get back, make sure uh, that you express to them your gratitude 
for their leadership because you have tremendous leaders here at this church body. Amen. For matters at hand, uh, our, our services still start at noon, uh, and so I need some travel time. I've always encouraged people to say amen uh, merely because it lets me know you're tracking along with us and you're in agreement. That's one reason. Second reason, it keeps me from trying to keep explaining something until I know that you have it. And so if either one of those fits you, just know it will not throw me off if you say amen. Amen. Right, we're going to look at a familiar passage of scripture. We've had a chance uh, these last several months at the cross to walk through the book of Acts. And I know you all have been walking through another book. And uh, again, uh, we want to share with you one of those passages that stuck out to me comes from Acts chapter 3. When you find that, again, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It will not matter what version you're reading from. Uh, starting at verse 1, Acts chapter 3, you'll see these words. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. That is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. May God add a blessing to the reading to the hearers thereof. I wanted to simply talk from this thought about perfect possibilities for imperfect people. Perfect possibilities for imperfect people. At first reading, when I go through this text, and it may be familiar to many of you all, you remember uh, just a few moments ago, we just read about this lame man that was laid at this gate outside of the temple, which was known to be a beautiful gate, and it was named as such. Daily, this man had someone to carry him, and they would position him outside the temple gates. At first blush, at first reading, I would, I would grasp from this that the imperfect person in this text would be this lame man. I mean, after all, he had an impediment. He was crippled. But once I read beyond this, I discovered uh, that there was more than just physical imperfections in this text. And I would like to suggest, when we read this text, to see the symbolism behind this man's physical condition, that we grasp from this text, even though we see an individual that is crippled physically, that we're able to see that each of us in our daily lives may be exposed to someone who is also crippled. And if that's the case, then I would suggest our carry-home meal, meaning you can take this out any given moment this week and feast on it. I believe our carry-out meal would be that God uses people to help people. And you don't have to be perfect for that. Uh, 
But the truth is we should always be aware that he may be using us to help others. But also he may be using others to help us. And in no capacity is the qualification a necessity that you need to be perfect. Because the truth is, there is but one that fits that criteria. And his name is Jesus. When you have a chance, you can look in the book of Matthew chapter 1. And it shows the lineage of Jesus Christ. And even in the lineage of Christ, it was person after person after person that was imperfect. If you track it back to Abraham, Abraham followed God to an unknown land. But Abraham was imperfect because uh, Abraham had a son by his maiden because he could not trust God's plan fully. In the lineage of Jesus Christ, the only perfect one, there is a name, Tamar, who was related to Christ, but she was not perfect. Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute because she could not fully connect with the plan that God had for her. God does not always have to use perfect people. There's only one perfect, and that's Jesus. In the lineage of Christ, Matthew 1 mentions David. We know David was a man after God's own heart, but David also was an adulterer. David also was a murderer. The criteria for God using us is not perfection. You may remember the mentioning of Rahab. Now, Tamar dressed like a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute. But perfection is not a requirement for us to be used by God. In this text, what we see is this crippled man positioned at the gate of the temple. The temple being representative of a place for worship. Much like today, where we have come to a building, a physical location, a place for worship. We sometimes relate the church with the temple, yet the church is not just a building. And these last several months has exposed our theology to the extent that we've discovered you can have church and not even be in a building. Matter of fact, this morning, some of your fellow church members possibly are watching this via streaming. You're able to miss a Sunday, but yet stay connected to what God is doing here because you've discovered that the church is not all about our location. But the temple was a physical location. And in this text, it suggests that week after week after week, this crippled man was carried outside of the temple gates with the hope that some spiritual quality of those going in and out of the church would allow them to have compassion. 
to the extent that if they're going in for religious purposes, you know, worshiping in prayer, a worshiping in praise, a worshiping through the word, the hope is if they're coming in and they're going out, hopefully they'll be compassionate enough to look at the cripple. So this man whom Acts chapter 4 shares with us was crippled for his whole life, possibly for 40 years. This man was crippled. It was the only thing that he knew. Commentators have stated he possibly uh, was present at the temple even during the days of Jesus Christ's ministry. Possibly had heard of the many miracles that Christ had performed. Definitely was there shortly after Christ crucified, he resurrected, he ascended, and the body of believers now had received the power of God, at least according to Acts chapter 2. And this man was hoping with everything in him that someone who was religious could understand that he was there. And it's a perfect possibility. It's a perfect opportunity for imperfect people, for people that are frequenting the physical space of worship, such as we're doing this morning, such as churches are doing throughout this great land every Sunday. The hope is that we can see that there is an opportunity, a possibility for us as we come in and go out, as we enter and as we exit, that we'll know that it possibly is someone crippled, maybe not physically crippled, maybe theologically crippled, maybe ideologically crippled, maybe relationally crippled, maybe spiritually crippled, maybe financially crippled. What are we suggesting? I'm thinking that the symbolism here of this man being positioned outside the temple gates shows us that there are people who are not able to function to their fullness, and they're right in our paths. We don't have to go far to look at them. They're right in our paths. And I think a great eye-opener for for me this morning, and I, if you're a note taker, I pray that this will be one that you could write down, is one of the opportunities that we have is we must recognize the cripple. Let the church say recognize the cripple. Say it loud, recognize the cripple. I pray that we will be aware that some that are crippled are outside the temple gates. And I want, to, I want to share some insightful news to you, my friends, is that some of us that are in this assembly may have some crippled inside of our homes, inside of our workplaces, because they're right in our paths. Let's look at this text, and you'll see at verse 3, this is after this man was positioned outside the temple. He was outside the gates. 
seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for some help. Now, the only help that he really knew he could request was money. Merely because of him being crippled, he was not able to work. He was crippled. And he asked for alms. He saw Peter and John as being a resource. Verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him. What is that saying? Peter focused on him. This crippled man, Peter saw him. He was not too busy. He was not in such a rush that he could say, well, I'm on my way to the temple. This man arrested Peter's attention in the same manner that I pray when we see crippled people amongst us, they will arrest our attention, keep us from going through our normal routines merely because we realize if we don't help them, no one else will. Someone may have been arrested by some little child that needed some help. Someone may, be, may have been arrested by some individual that every time you tried to take your focus off of them, it seemed as if something divine was just stirring up on the inside of you, making you say, I need to extend my help. And keep in mind, it does not always have to be financial. It very well could just be us letting them know that we know that they're there. And my friends, I would suggest that for the crippled man, the great beauty, the great beauty is this allowed him to know that they were not ignoring him, but rather they realized that he was there. Peter directed his attention, his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Now, I want you to understand, this was not him making a grandstand. This was merely him trying to let this man know, I see you, and I want you to see me. Lift up your focus. This man who was in a low position because of his condition was possibly unable to look upward because life had beat him down. And I can see Peter standing there as a person who was not perfect by any stretch because Peter had just gotten himself together. Had it not been but by the grace of God, Peter would have been a fallen follower because he had already denied Christ. He had already taken a sword and sliced off a man's ear when Christ was being taken by the enemy. Peter was not perfect by any stretch, but he understood he was in the perfect place at the perfect time. Before you discount yourself and discredit yourself, as you look over the pages of your life and you think about all the people in your pathway that may not have their lives together, they may be tore up from the floor up, but yet God has allowed your paths to cross. Take some time and recognize the cripple. Peter said, look at me. He said, look at us. And he fixed his attention owned them. This crippled man was able to look at them 
and he expected to receive something from them. You see, when you're able to not just walk by people, but you're able to stop and talk to people, often you can raise their expectations. I don't know if you've ever really interacted with someone that's really just down and out and life has been tough and rough for them. But when you slow down in your pace of life and merely can ask certain things like, how are you doing? How's life treating you? Is everything okay? When we slow down and recognize the cripple, oftentimes people's focus often raises. Their expectations raise. We that are imperfect have to understand there are some perfect possibilities. One is to recognize the cripple. Who are the crippled in your life? Who are those that are in your paths that are crippled? Is it a spouse? Is it a loved one, a family member, a friend? Is it a child? Is it a coworker? Is it a church member that is unable to lift themselves, unable to carry themselves? Who are the crippled in your pathway? As you think about them, my prayer is that you'll recognize them and don't assume that you don't have anyone in your life that's crippled. But the truth is, when God places them in our paths, he realizes that we're not perfect, but we're the perfect people in the perfect place. Second thing this text shares with me, and I pray that if you're a note taker, you'll write this one down, is that we should realize the value of Christ. Realize the value of Christ. Say that with me. Realize the value of Christ. Now, the amazing thing about this text, when you look at verse 6, after this man was expecting to receive something from Peter, Peter said, and I'm going to paraphrase this for you. He said, I don't have any money. Now, have you ever been there in your life where you realize that your resources were minimal? And Peter understood what this man was requesting. But here's the thing. Even though he understood he could not satisfy this man's appetite, he still understood that what he had was really valuable and who he had was really valuable. Peter said it this way, I have no silver or gold, but, now if you have a hard copy Bible and you're okay with highlighting, that's a good three letter word to highlight. I have no silver or gold, but, now, the reason why I want you to highlight that is because that word, it shows that everything after but is a contrast to everything that's in front of it. So he's saying, I know I have limited resources, but now if we were having churchy church, uh, that's where we would definitely say amen right there. Because the truth is, you may not have what people would assume 
that you need to have, but when you know you have who you have, you know you have all that you need. And it's right here in this text. Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have. Now, he was talking about uh, his relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He was talking about the relationship that he had uh, with the Holy Spirit. He was talking about the transformation that he had already experienced. And my friends, I would say this message is portal, not just for our educators, it's portal for every person here from the pulpit to the door. It's portal for you. When God has given you a platform to speak to people, it does not matter what your occupation is. It does not matter if you're a student or a teacher. You should never diminish the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. So what that means is when God is giving you a platform where people are hungry for a life-changing moment, understand that what you have in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is invaluable. The world can't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. Peter understood that there was something special about this particular moment as he was sharing with this man, and he understood it was a necessity for him to see this as a moment where he could help this man to rise and to walk. Sharing his relationship with God through Jesus Christ was of value. Had he not taken time this man's life would have never changed. But yet Peter saw it as a possibility. And for this man that was laying there crippled since his birth, every day he's taken to the gate. Every day he's taken away from the gate. Some days his pockets are empty. Some days his pockets are full, but yet his condition never changed. But Peter was here saying, listen, I may not have coins to put in your pocket, but I do have something. And what I have, you're not excluded from. Rather, I'm willing to give to you. My friends, my hope and my prayer is that in life, we will not miss divine moments like this. And that we'll realize the value of Christ in every area of our life, we have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with people. Third and final highlight of this text, as we think about the possibility for imperfect people, I would say is that we should reach and raise others. We should reach and we should raise others. It's important when we look at this text for us to consider that this man's physical condition had caused for him to have a lowered position. We should never assume that because people are in certain positions that they want to be there. 
You know, when you travel through life, matter of fact, when you travel the loop, you will discover there are certain areas where there are individuals who are far less, or may deal with far less resources than you and I. If you travel Tyler, you can see the extremities of our social classes. If you go down Beckham and underneath the bridge, you'll discover there are people that live underneath cardboard boxes. You'll discover that there's some, when you talk with them, they didn't plan on being there. They were one or two paychecks away from sitting in seats like we are. Life has tossed them to difficult positions. They didn't plan on that when they went to college. They didn't plan on that when they went to the military and fought for our freedoms. They didn't, they didn't plan on staying underneath cardboard boxes. They didn't plan on that when their loved one died and uh, they were forced to foreclose their homes because uh, they were living a little beyond their means. They didn't plan on that, but the truth is they're not much different than you and I. But by the grace of God, many of us that are here today went a different position. But in this text, the crippled man, he was at a low position because he was born with this condition. And here's Peter speaking to him, what I have, I give to thee. Verse 7, you'll see these words. After he spoke to him, remember, he stopped, he looked, he spoke, and now we see him connecting. My friends, this is a beautiful moment in this text. Peter did not feel that he was too high and mighty to touch this man. You know, certainly this was before Corona showed up. This was a moment in this man's life that was critical to him having a life-changing moment. But I, I would say, I would say even post-Corona, we still have opportunities to touch people. In this text, what we see, Peter took him by the right hand, which is the hand of authority, uh, the hand of power, and he, he took him and raised him up. He understood he was down. Understand, in order to raise someone, you have to stretch yourself. Now, maybe not on this side of the church, but possibly on this side of the church, there are one or two of you all uh, that you've had to stretch yourself just to try to help someone. You may have had to stretch yourself to take care of a grandchild. You may have had to stretch yourself to take care of a niece or a nephew. And if not on this side, maybe it's over here on this side, you've had to stretch yourself just because you're trying to help somebody, uh, you didn't plan on it, uh, you didn't have this written into your, uh, your calendar, but life presented moments that you had to reach out and stretch and help someone that could not help themselves. And I want to say in this text what we see Peter doing, every born-again believer who is a child of God, 
should find themselves reaching out and trying to help someone. Peter stretched by reaching out. He raised him. And look at this. The text says immediately. You all know what immediately means, don't you? It means that a 40-year issue was gone. It means prior to Peter realizing I'm imperfect, but yet I'm perfect for this. Prior to Peter stopping and looking and talking and sharing and stretching, this man possibly would have left this temple gate just like he did the day before. But the Bible says immediately, which lets me understand that change uh, is possible for everyone. It allows me to understand that people can often have their lives turned around quicker than quick. The Bible says immediately. Don't minimize the power of your conversations, the power of your influence the power of your presence. Don't minimize how significant you are to someone else. Now, for those of you all that are Bible readers, you know that later we'll discover this man's miracle really was not even all about him. Just a chapter over, we'll discover that there were people that came to the faith because they realized that this man's life changed. What I'm saying, if you slow down with just one person, God may use that as a moment to change multitudes of people, but you have to know that that is a possibility for you. It's a possibility for imperfect people if we reach and raise others. The Bible tells us this, immediately this man changed, but that's not it. His feet and his ankles were made strong, that's not it. He started leaping up. You know what leaping is, don't you? He started leaping up, that's not it. He stood, same man that had been crippled for 40 years, He stood up. He started leaping up. He stood up. Look at this. He began to walk. You see the symbolism, don't you? He started making progress. Did you not know there are people that have been walking all their life and they're not making progress? There are people that are not crippled, but they're stationary. They're not trying to do anything. But this man, as soon as he was able to get up, he started moving. But that's not it. And he entered, and this is all I got right here. When I say this, when I'm done, this man that was on the outside of the temple, when his life changed, for those of y'all that have read ahead, you realize that his change carried him inside the temple. Hallelujah, yes. And all my brothers and sisters, that's the spot where we really want to see the power that God gives us to impart in other people. Now, he was not going inside the temple to be a disciple of Peter 
are of John, but he went into the temple with them. Look at this. It's on the screen. It says, walking and leaping. I know some of us have not leaped and walked and jumped and praised God in a long time. But my, what a sound to heaven that must have been. My, what a sight that must have been. This man that was crippled started leaping and jumping and walking and praising God. Fast forward with me, verse 9. And all the people who saw him walking and praising God and remembered him way back when he was just a beggar outside the gate. The Bible says they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. May God bless you real good. But I pray that you'll understand that often, if you will see that God puts people in your pathway, it's a perfect possibility. And don't discount yourself. Don't say, well, I'm not, I didn't go to school for this. That's for Pastor Leg. I'm not a staff member. I'm just a member. Scratched just right off the list. You are a member of the body of Christ. That means you are a minister. These last several months, I pray, as you've been handicapped at home, that you've realized that possibly there are some people right in your homes that need to know such as you have. My prayer for you is that if you've missed those opportunities, that God will give you a do-over so that you can slow down, you can stop, you can see, you can talk to those about the relationship you have with God through Jesus Christ can also be extended unto them. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again for me to share my convictions. And my prayer is that you have allowed these that are here not just to be hearers, but to be doers of your word. Move in a mighty way where even if not today, you will stir up in someone a desire to be a witness after they've received power by the Holy Spirit that there'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Some may need to start right in their very homes, but wherever they are, give them the, will, the willingness to witness for you. We pray for this church family that every member will see themselves as a minister they will look at the platforms that you've given, the people that are in their paths, and the possibilities that are laid out in front of them, from the youngest member to the oldest. As we live in times that are not ordinary, people are crippled emotionally, they're crippled socially. Sometimes they don't know how to talk nice to people and to be nice. Give us the wisdom to know how to extend the love of God that we have through Jesus Christ. And when you do that, our greatest hope is that we'll be able to hear you say, servant, 
well done. This is our prayer. We pray it in the matchless and peerless name of Jesus. Let every heart say, Amen.